Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott, the man who wanted Dan James to be taken off at half-time of the podcast. You may say I'm muddied, but I stand by it. And I'm joined today by Daniel Farker, first touch of the podcast, Tom Hostikundel. Unglaublich schwer. And finally, I'm joined by all the All Stats Aren't We resident da. Put your foot through it, Melier. Not on it, it's Dar Holdsworth. How are you, Fucking Dan? Fucking get rid of it, Mez, you dickhead. Yeah, that's what they all say. That's what the guys <laughs> around me... Explicit, we're going to have to put explicit now on, yeah, the, uh, so, on the pod. So, sorry, everybody. Yeah, that's that's what the old blokes were saying near me on um, on, on Saturday, the dickheads. Anyway, I'm great, mate. Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> it's it's crazy, isn't it? We've had three years of Beelzebul, and people still think that we can't go back to that. You know, it's just, I think Marsh... Grassier and all the rest of it have, have ruined the fan base again, and they've forgotten that we can actually play like that. Um, what about yourself, Hosty? How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, just I had to take dog to vets today, so everyone who listened to the whole review will know that he ate some tinfoil, and uh, yeah, so that that re- that reacted badly for him today. A few days later, um, but he's all good. He's all well. Yeah, thankfully. And so I got a nice walk out of it, and two hours off work to take him to the vets because I don't drive. So like, yay. Um, yeah, and then, as I said to you just before we started recording, I took a risk with wearing this shirt for my tea tonight because I had spag ball. So, yeah. Oh, toss spag, it up. Spag, spag, toss spag it up. ball in a white t-shirt. Yeah, in a white lead shirt. Dangerous. This needs to be in the uh, like high or low thing next year, doesn't it? Just, you know, host having spag ball before a podcast recording. Well, spag, more, spag ball's than, in there. Yeah, more than Leeds red cards or something. <laughs> oh, whatever. What about yourself, Dan? What did you have tonight? Um, 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 poached fish with mashed potatoes and peas and a bit of a white sauce, like white I've pasta sauce. I've never heard something said so unenthusiastically. It was fine. It was quite nice. <laughs> it's like on a bit of a health kick at the moment. I'm going to the gym and eating healthy, so, you know. Got to at your age. Yeah, you have to do, yeah. Yeah. Doctor's, doctor's orders, so. <laughs> I, I had a, well, I'm not vegan, but I had vegan hot dogs, and they were pretty good, actually. They were all right. Um, I thought they'd be worse than they were, so that was all right. And I, I wanted to ask you both something, because you're both a little bit older than me, particularly you, Dan, and you might not be able to remember, but at what age would you say both of you had maybe only like 
four or five pints the night before, nothing crazy. But then the next day, you, you're not necessarily like hungover, but you have that like that slight iffy feeling for for quite a chunk of the day because I had that today. I only had like four pints last night, and I'm like, oh, I'm already feeling like rougher than I want to. Not like awful, but just like annoyingly rough. Do you know what I mean? So, how old were you say you uh you were when that started to happen? Into my thirties, I reckon. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Long time. Oh, you see, for me, I think I think it was about two or three years ago. Yeah. yeah so I'd have been two years older than you, Adam, as you are now. So yeah, maybe I'm a little bit early to it, but here we are. I think I think there's there's, there's it, potentially that I did have those times, but I don't remember any of those times like before uh, before I went to Germany, and I don't remember any of the times at Germany. I only really remember. Probably around about just after COVID, just around COVID time. And speaking of Germany, did you like my pronunciation just then? Yes, I thought it was very good. Yeah. And do you want to tell the dear listeners what that meant? Um, that meant unbelievable hard. I'm not saying it in a Daniel Farker accent. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, that's how you make me feel as well. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're moving on. Um. So yeah, we're here today to discuss the game between Leeds and Watford at the weekend, obviously, uh, a marvellous 3-0 win. Um, but we'll start first by just quickly going over some of the news before turning our attentions to the game. Um, first of all, obviously we're going to talk about the game a little bit more properly later, so some performances, but Roden returns from suspension against Southampton at the weekend, and who do you think is going to drop out for him, Dan? Probably Cooper. I mean, nothing against Cooper, he was fine, he was pretty good at the weekend, but yeah, I think Rodon and Stroik look like a nice pair. Let's get it back together. You agree, Hosty? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably Cooper. I think he's back up left back now, uh, left centre back. Um, with Strauch, we'll move across. So the only thing I had in my head of the reason why I wanted to ask this is because if Ailing and Cooper are on the bench, then you don't have a a captain. So then it's kind of like a, who actually comes in as captain. I know there's a bit of talk about it in the Discord today, which I brought it up. Um, seems like Strauch is probably next in line with Dallas and Bamford also still injured. So. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see who ends up getting the arm, but I, I also wouldn't mind someone like Ampadu getting it, but maybe it's too soon for him and his Leeds career is quite quite an early I probably career. wouldn't mind Byron yeah. getting it. Yeah. That'd also for be sure. a good shout. Yeah, I would yeah. also like yeah. that. Yeah. He's also, you know, thirty years old now. He's not he's not some young got this weird feeling that he might have worn the armband once before he left as well. Um but I couldn't find anything on it. I did try to have a search and that data's not available, believe it or not. It's it's possible. He was, um, he was around 22, wasn't he, when he left? So I think that's, that's possible. I've got no problem with Ampadu getting it. He kind of plays like a senior player, doesn't he? You know, he kind of dictates that midfield area, doesn't he? So, Well, he's got about 200 appearances under his belt now. Just under, under I think it's like 160, 170 at the age of 23. That's pretty impressive. Um, and then the other thing, I uh, don't know if either of you have actually seen this, but um, we've been, well, Archie Gray's been linked with a move to Crystal Palace um, via Alan Nixon. Um, thoughts on that? Was that link very much a, he's only got till 2025 on his contract, and basically that's because when we offered him a contract, that was the maximum amount that we could offer him. So the likelihood is as soon as he turns 18, we'll be trying to tie him up to like a five-year deal. Um, so, I mean, I guess... I, I agree. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's all in it. Um, they can be interested. I think, I imagine that there's a lot more teams that are interested in him. And yeah, I don't think there's all in it. No. It seems unlikely, doesn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Alan Nixon's a whopper anyway, so who cares what he thinks? Um, <laughs> and the old guys in the North Stand that sit with me would kill themselves. You know, <laughs> they'd have a stroke if that happened. <laughs> so, no, I don't see it happening. It's just, yeah, Leeds have, been men- Leeds have been mad, and I think he'd be mad as well. You know, he's somewhere where he's loved and he's going to get lots of game time. Just stay where you are, Archie. 
Yeah, and there is a clear pathway, even if Kamara's going to play a little bit more now. Um, anyway, yeah, so we're here to discuss the leeds Watford game, so we'll move on into that, and I'll, I'll discuss a bit of the summary of the game first, which is uh, that Leeds approached the game with the usual 4-2-3-1-ish, 4-4-2-ish shape that we've been going with and we kind of come accustomed to lately, whilst Watford played their 4-3-3. Uh, Leeds yet to win a home game, but put in perhaps their most dominant and complete performance of the season so far. They had the lion's share of possession in the game, but weren't able to score until the 67th minute through Joel Perot, with Sam Byram and Jay Nansen's first strike for the club, completing a comfortable win over the Hornets. Leeds flipped their attacking dynamics and shape, which we'll go on to talk about, with Dan James playing high and wide on the right side, and Byram allowed the most freedom of Leeds' full-back pair down the left flank. Kamara was the supporting midfielder in build-up, as opposed to Ethan Ampadu, which we've seen in every other game this season so far. Um, Leeds swarmed Watford in midfield when they lost the ball and created out of the chances throughout the game, both through possession, dominance and transitions in the Watford half. Fox's side also dominated both shots and extra share and lifted themselves into the playoffs with that win. Anyway, so yes, we'll now move on into the interrogation. Um, our first question comes from Cleeks on Patreon, uh, and he wanted to discuss basically how good were we actually on the day. Uh, this is now three clean sheets in a row for Leeds and six league games unbeaten, so it looks like we're kind of building a bit of momentum. And yeah, um, were we really good on the day or were we really bad on the day? Our, our press seemed to stop them getting out of their own half and our runners had acres of space at times. Our intensity, our intensity was unmatched in the game, but how much of this can we attribute to ourselves? I wanted to ask you that first, Dan. Yeah, so I felt like Watford kind of fell between two stools because they pressed us a bit, but not to any great intensity or effect, really. They didn't really have such a great low block. They, they just kind of fought, sort of fell between two stools, which I think suited us quite nicely in the end. Um, like, you know, they came after us enough that we were able to kind of generate transitional attacks, which I think suited us. Um but though I felt like the press was weak enough that we could like we could press them and bait them enough and play through them fairly easily. So it just kind of it was just a perfect storm, really. But I do also think Leeds most pleased Leeds, Leeds performance and Leeds players are on point, and you know the, the tactical plan was pretty pretty good. Um, yeah, so I just I, I think it's probably more that Leeds were played very well and were a level above Watford, but they fell into our hands certainly in terms of play style. I think um, that was my general view of the game. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, I did the preview with Martin um, and Watford were much worse than we both thought they would be. Um, quite a few of their fans since the game's ended have thought it was their worst display, but also I know Lou Orns is quite a big Watford Twitter account. He he also said that he thought Leeds were pretty excellent, to be honest, which is a decent praise. So I, I think it yeah, probably is a, a mixture of the two. And, and yeah, I, I wanted to ask you this, Hostie. Um, were we seeing like more sequences and patterns in play for your in your opinion, because for my money, it it was the best we played and, and built through the third so far, and, and also how quickly we started to win it back as well. I, I, I like I said earlier, I think I thought it was quite a complete performance in in most phases, and uh, yeah, I, I wanted to say like are some of our attacking patterns improving for you, and and how did you find the game in the end? Yeah, I think um, it was definitely aided by Kamara in, in that sort of middle area. I think he helped us a lot with the build up. Um, I felt like when when I watched it back that there weren't as many patterns as I seem to remember from the first time watching. It just seemed to be that we were very good at, you know, getting forward quickly and that quick interplay. It didn't seem repeatable, but it just seemed that everyone knew where everyone was. So maybe maybe, maybe it is repeatable in that sense. Um, but I didn't see the same thing two times, it felt. Um, but yeah, I, I thought we just didn't let Watford have the ball, did we? Um, we didn't allow them any time and space. And we won the ball back really well. I thought, you know, uh, defensively, 
Byron and Ampadu and Kamara won the ball back fantastically in, in certain areas. Um, and yeah, James and Somerville were really good wide presses on their wide men as well. And it just allowed us to gain control of the ball a lot. And as you've said, we, we built up really well. There was some moments where we, uh, you know, we, we'll come on to it regarding players coming deep to get the ball. And I think that actually really helped us with build up as well. On on the pressing front, I, it was actually, I looked th- on PPDA, it was the lowest PPDA, so our most intense press of the season. Not not by a lot, but a little bit more intense than the Wednesday game. But I didn't actually think on watch it was particularly intense, but I thought it was quite smart. I thought we were quite good at funneling, funneling them into like like traps. So I thought it was a really smart press and it was a really good... And I th- So you say that we didn't see repeatable patterns of play. I thought we had a repeatable method, if that makes sense. We had a pretty good repeatable method is probably a way of saying it. So I I thought some of the pressing traps... Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to say and you've just worded it properly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, so, you know, (laughs) so I was kind of like on watchback. I came away from the game feeling that was really great, but that was just loads of great individual stuff. And like on the watchback, I'm like, actually, I'm I'm seeing like a methodical approach here. And that that's given me a lot of like hope going forward that actually maybe we've got a method that might really suit us this season quite well, like generating, letting them playing them into our midfield. So it was depressing. So what I really liked was we'd have Dan James and and and, and Ruta kind of sat just outside of their centre backs, so stopping their centre backs playing it wide, forcing their centre backs to kind of ping it into the, the midfield, and we were kind of going man to man, weren't we? Even Perot was going man to man on Surrealta, which probably helped because Surrealta is really slow, like Perot, but. And we were kind of really then won those duels, I think, a lot. And we just had loads of turnovers in that central area with that man marking, like three on three, basically. Yeah, and I think that's what I said on the whole review is what I felt like we were trying to do, where some people were, there was some talk that the pressing didn't look good in that sense. But like I felt like we were trying to funnel it into that middle area for Ampadu Gray and, um, and Peru to try and win it there. Um, win it high up so yeah I think that that's just getting better in, in that funneling of the press yeah yeah I mean we didn't have Nonto as well which is, I think is a factor Nonto's not a great, great presser you know against Hull we had Nonto and Perot who aren't good pressers that's two out of our front four bad pressers they here, had Nonto here for 20 minutes well yeah true yeah, true. fair point but here we had yeah we had three good pressers at any one time didn't we you know with even Somerville yeah. I was going to say the same thing about um, Nonto yeah he's not not awful at it, but he's weaker than quite a few of the other wingers. So that I think that you lose something there with that. Um, then yeah, I think you're both right. Uh, we funneled it a little bit better, and and this is why I've said a few times now that Dan James is like probably a winger that in certain games makes some sense. Um, and speaking of that, yeah, we had quite a few questions regarding our shape and the way Fark tweaked things to keep James wider instead of drifting into the middle as he did against Hull. Um, Byram's role down the left while Shackleton remained deep was also key in this. Any thoughts on that, Hosty? Um, I think this is simply, you keep Dan James's game simple and he can be quite effective. So you keep him wide and just sell him to get wide and put the ball in. Um, he, he's not got the most um, consistent delivery, but you know when when he gets it right, it can be good and we saw, and we saw that. And I think that's also why then he did switch with Byram and Shackleton because um, then he could keep, I think Somerville's much better at drifting into the middle and playing in those tighter areas with his ball control. Um, and Byram obviously just understands the role wherever he has to be under Farker, no, no matter whether he's bombing on or playing in the more inverted role. Um, but yeah, I think Shackleton therefore on the right, I think he... I think probably what we were saying regarding um, what we missed from him 
on Wednesday against Hull, where he were, he's usually quite good in those areas out of pressure, and that's why like that inverted role suited him. So I think he just kept it on the same, but put him on more preferred side. Um, and I don't on the rewatch, Shackleton didn't have as good a game in possession as I thought he did. He actually played some quite a few sloppy passes again, um, but you know it wasn't wasn't an issue because then what Shackleton's really good at is pressing again and then winning the ball back and being a little kind of like terrier so yeah like it made sense for me to just make his game simple make Dan James's game simple and he, he was effective he certainly was more effective but the other tweak was that he um, switched the midfield roles a little bit didn't he Dan so talk to me a little bit about Kamara's role in the build-up but it was mentioned quite a bit by Toldo and James on Twitter. Um, how impressed were you with him on his full debut? And why do you think his skill set suited dropping to receive the ball from the centre-backs more than Ampadu, who has done really well at that so far this season? And he still did it in this game, just less than Kamara, I, I felt. Was, yeah, I don't know if... I didn't count the number of times they dropped, but it felt like it was like an even split, maybe. They were both doing it and, and, and rotating, which probably helped, didn't it? In terms of... Not confusing, but keeping the uh, the Watford markers on their toes. But just more generally on Kamara. Yeah, just just... Just a really, really nice, smooth receiver and turner, isn't he? He just gets that ball and turns out of trouble straight away and, and for the most part, plays it fairly simply. He wasn't playing big, expansive passes, was he really? Um, but it's just, just, he just got that really nice kind of, he's just a really nice connective player, isn't he, between, between the lines and between other players. He can receive it and move into space, receive it, move it on again. It's just a really nice, it kind of keeps everything smooth and flowing, doesn't it, really? So I kind of liked him as a six and an eight, which he did both of in this game. And Ampadu kind of did six and eight, and they just seemed to dovetail quite nicely. One go, one set, and and they seemed to just do it really well. And they both defensively worked nicely as a pair as well. Kind of gang tackled, didn't they? And and you know, one went into a challenge, the other guy mopped up, vice versa. So yeah, just a really nice nice debut. It just kind of felt like he got the role straight away and understood it, and had a really nice uh, relationship with Ampadu, which just really like bodes well, doesn't it, going forward? Absolutely. And yeah, he looks after the ball really, really well in tight spaces with it, with his back leg to, to the play and, and just holds players off really nicely and plays a pretty simple pass, like you said, but it, it was effective. And it does seem like Gray might struggle to start as often now, you'd think, which maybe nece- isn't necessarily a bad thing, given how much we've had to rely on him so far this season. Um, yeah, then I, I want to talk about uh, Melier's role. Um, and what it has been like this season so far in possession. Um, someone asked if his distribution was off, but what are your thoughts so far on what's being asked of him? Um, Dan, I'll go with you first. Yeah, so in terms of his distribution, like um, I think it's, it actually suits his game a lot better, doesn't it? Like this this kind of... So he's, he's really good at receiving the ball, isn't it? And, and, and short passing. And like short passing's on point, isn't it? Like he'll receive it, play it to a fullback out to a centre-back, receive it again, send it the other way. And it's really kind of... It's really comfortable doing that. And his and his timing's quite good. He's quite happy holding to the holding onto the ball and then playing it at the right time. Um, so I kind of like that element. It's playing to his strengths, whereas his longer medium range passing isn't quite so good. So I so I just think I kind of think it suits Leeds' tactical needs, as in look, we're trying to bait the opposition and bring them onto us so we can generate space. And it plays into Melier's strengths, you know, in that he's he's happy receiving timing and, and short passing and, and moving it around almost like an extra centre back. Um, so I'm really happy with it. I think it makes sense for the team and it makes sense for Melier's like, skill set as well. So like, I'm all for it, really. What about you, Hostie? Yeah, I um, I don't think... And obviously, like what Dan just said, his long distributions leaves a bit to be desired and that's something which probably he needs to work on. But I don't think he's being asked to do that, really. Um, I think the only time he did it was when kind of like the centre-back options weren't really on. Um 
But there was some really good stuff. So there was a moment around about the hour mark where uh, he plays it out to, I think it's Shackleton, who's kind of just around the penalty area, and Shackleton plays it back to him. And then Stroke has just stepped off further into the middle, um, kind of kind of where you'd expect Dampa do. And whoever's marking Stroke hasn't spotted that, and Melia plays like a really nice, short, quick pass into Stroke there. And that's something which looks dangerous and we're probably going to concede from at some point. Melia is going to get it wrong at some point. He's a goalkeeper. It, it's not 100% his thing. Like We've seen Edison do it. We've seen Alisson do it. They're the best at it. We're going to concede and it's going to be hell in around Dan's stand <laughs> at Ellen Road when it does happen. But, you know, he, he completed 50 passes of 59 attempted. That's uh, an 84.7%. And he had 60 touches, which is like really up there with some of the most on the pitch for us on uh, on Saturday. Um, I think his distribution was, was fine. I thought his passing was good. There was that one pass which was dodgy, um, where he just seemed to not decide how much power he needed to give it to give it to Ampadu and it looked like he was actually aiming to go longer and then he hit it he like scuffed it to Ampadu anyway and it and it was fine. Um but yeah I thought I felt what he what I thought I saw him trying to do against Hull and what he wanted to try to do when he was trying to bait the forwards into coming onto him is something which he was able to do in this game because of how Watford pressed us. Um and yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with him doing it and I've got no issues with it. In terms of his passing length or a goalkeeper passing length um, this was the lowest we've had in the league this year and this game was like 8.4 meters average pass length or something um, the second lowest was the whole game so I think there's and then it's the, the passing length from a goalkeeper before that is way longer 20 meters 30 meters 40 meters on average so I'm guessing um, there's been a definite tactical change of late I love when someone brings the stats back to all stats aren't we that is fantastic thank you no, for that it's um, very interesting actually as well um, I am obviously a bit concerned about Melier when he does have that mistake because it'll happen like Tom says where he'll give it away cheaply and they'll play like one or two passes and be in and and score a team will do that against us um and I'm basically worried because he's one of those like go-to scapegoats of of the fan base which is going to be something he's just gonna have to deal with but he's had to deal with it for a long time now um but yeah it does feel like he's he's definitely suited to this role and um, it it does feel like he gone my my caveat to that is, yeah, sure, but goalkeepers do that all the time. Even goalkeepers who aren't playing this style of football, goalkeepers all there's so many instances of just like a ball getting played back to a keeper who's gonna then hoof it long and he actually scuffs it to someone straight away and they get one two passes and have a chance. Right? It to me the way that we're playing doesn't take away from that possibility. No, the risk reward thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If a goalkeeper makes a mistake, the likely chance, because it's the goalkeeper, it's the last line of defence, it's gonna lead to a shot at least, never probably a goal. And that's just the be all and end all of being a goalkeeper. Yeah. So Of course, it's because your defence has also not got time to set themselves and yeah. they're not expecting him to make that error. So yeah, that that's why that'll happen. I hope I hope he can take it in his stride when it does happen and I hope fans don't get too frustrated because it is that risk reward thing and like the risk of that happening once or twice is is like 
outweighed massively by the the reward of the the style that we play and not giving the ball back constantly to the opposition by going long um, and then winning the first ball and then it's you know straight back on us. Um, so I'm pretty happy with him and it does feel like he does quite a lot of press baiting and hold on to the ball and I know that a lot of the fans have been getting frustrated that he's he's taken his time to to pass the ball, throw it out when he's in his hands sometimes as well. But I don't mind it. It's been it's been good so far. It's worked so far. So I'm not gonna not gonna get too frustrated. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, next question we had was from the lovely Josie on our Patreon. Um, she said that Pirro was a bit frustrating, especially in the first half as he was dropping so deep. We saw him around defence at one point. Should should he be coached to temper his wandering? Uh, a free roll is fine, but would encouraging him to keep within a smaller area be advisable? Uh, it, it feels like he's a luxury at times, even though he's a good player, if you know what I mean. Uh, Dan, I'll start with you. See, I felt like Perot had a better game in terms of his involvement in like general build-up in this game. Um, you know, some good passes. He did the simple stuff well, laid it off really well in midfield. And then, you know, there was some, some really lovely passes, including that peach to, to Dan James that on, on, on the outside of his left foot that bent around the defender and Dan James tried to win the penalty with a, with a crap dive. Um, so... So like, uh, and we know he's kind of good. Yeah, yeah. We like we know he's kind of good at coasting, ghosting into the box and arriving late, which he's done this season and scoring a good number of goals already for us. So I'm I'm kind of fine with that. I understand Josie's question and I get it. And in, there's some games I felt that absolutely, like the Wednesday game, for example, he was a passenger, wasn't he? For, probably for tactical reasons rather than his own reasons, but um, performance reasons. But I'm generally fairly happy with him. I, I I wonder if it's just folks are just a little bit like not happy that. Our nine is the creative forward and the ten's the goal scorer. It's like the wrong way around, isn't it, in people's heads and they just can't get used to that. But like it's kind of effective at the moment, isn't it? It's like it's looking to be like we're building an effective combination with, with Rutter and Perot and the, the roles are kind of reser- re- reversed, aren't they, with the creative one furthest forward and the, 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 the killer goal scorer arriving late. But so I, yeah, I don't mind it. And I think it's it's only gonna get better and he's only gonna get better at realising when to go and when to get involved and that kind of stuff. So I'm fairly I'm I'm okay. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I felt like in other games of the season, he needs to contribute to to the all-round play a little bit more, but he's still being effective. And that pass you went on about is, is yeah, one of the highlights of the game, really. Um, and yeah, yeah he's, if, he's if so Rute good. didn't have the game he had, that was the highlight pass of the game, so I think. I, I was, was directly behind yeah, it. It was. Was, it was literally behind it. I could just see the way it bent around the keeper and I thought, oh, that's a peach in the ground. It was just, yeah, a perfect spot for it. It was, yeah, it was lush. She's not something he's typically known for. Like we, we know him as this guy that kind of arrives into the box at the right time on the blind side of defenders. Um, but I really, really liked a lot of his performance here and thought he was linking play a little bit better at times as well. And we were getting more involved. What, what are your thoughts, Hosty? Um, yeah, so I, I saw this question and I made a point to try and watch when Perot came deep in that first half. Uh, and it genuinely only happened like two or three times. Um, 
seemed to happen when Kamara would go out to the left to fill in for that space. And what it was actually doing was uh, Siri Alta was following him, was man-marking him, so it created space in behind him as well. So even though we might not want Perot deep there, what, what would happen is Byron would probably be, Byron and Somerville would probably take up that space and um, probably Somerville. And then, yeah, we just created a bit more space in behind. And there was one moment where it, it wasn't even that deep. It was probably around about the centre circle in our half and came out to Perot. He played it out to Shackleton and Shackleton played it back into him and then he, he was on his way like it was a lovely one too and by that point then he he's there to find either Ruter or Somerville or James and all those options are there and if he hasn't come deep that space for him to run into to then get past the defender that he's pulled with him isn't there so I, I, I don't see much of an issue with it um I I thought he had a good game and obviously he got he got the goal in the end as well um which it again run into the back post which we we were saying we wanted the forward to run to the front post, but yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a good finish. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was, I still have issues with his like off ball stuff a little bit and his pressing, but I think in this game it was fine because he kind of just occupied Sierra Alta, as you both sort of touched on. Um, and yeah, the thing about Perot is that his movement is really, really good around the box, and it doesn't really matter if you're playing him as a nine or ten and trying to make him like take up more spaces, like Josie's saying and in in the sort of attacking third or like towards the goal because his movement's really good and he kind of does that 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 move that he did for the first goal where he, he gets in behind really easily and, and scores like that and he's done that a few times already um, which is not something he was doing as much at Swansea because there was he's kind of renowned for being a guy that would score around the sort of 15 to 21 yardish mark out from the goal and it's around the edge of the box um, but at the moment he's he's doing well and I, I don't always think he's playing like amazingly well but he's still scoring and, and that's a really you know good thing to have in your arsenal isn't it um, yeah there was there was one point in the game I really liked he, he, it was there, was there was some deep build up sorry there's some deep build up and it was almost he was one side of Ampadu as the eight, and Somerville was the other eight, and like, and Kamara was at left back, and Byron was the left wing. And it was all, and it was all <laughs> rotated round. And there was a spell where they were doing that constantly. And he he, he took a touch from a pass from the centre back, laid it back, and turned it around, and it led led to something. I forget what now, but there's quite a lot of that. And I just thought, generally speaking, it looks like a really well drilled team. Like Perot could drop in and be the eight, and Kamara would go out to left back, and you know Somerville knew to fill the gap. And it was just, it was just, like in that respect, I thought there was a lot of. I guess nice rotation, wasn't it? And it just kept Watford guessing and kept them moving, and I just I felt it melt. I felt it meant we could um, progress the ball quite nicely and quite easily. I think, even though even when they tried to press us, so yeah. And when when he came deep and we did progress it forwards, when we got the ball towards the box, he was then arriving around about that twenty yard mark every time. Um, so without him doing that, he probably can't arrive there with no one really watching him because people will be alert if he's further forward at the start. So him being able to be that kind of late arrival and get to where he likes to be to score his goals is um, it's probably part of why we're trying that as well. Cool. Um, on the subject of players, there were obviously quite a lot of good performances in, in this game. I thought Strout was particularly excellent, so I wanted to give him a nod. He's playing on the right, and yeah, his, out, his distribution was outstanding. His ball progression was outstanding. Um, I thought he got a foot in when he needed to as well at times, and I was really, really happy with his display and if he can play like a right centre back it just speaks to how good of a player he is for me considering he is left footed um, but who else impressed you Hosty? Uh, yeah as I mentioned earlier I thought Byron was like fantastic uh, I think we've had a discussion in um, the admin chat 
between us all regarding the fact how we were all probably a little bit underwhelmed when we signed Byram and he's proven to be like, a fantastic acquisition as long as he as long as he can stay fit. Um yeah, he, on the ball he was really good, he made some really and he continued to make these runs. He he was making runs in the first half, like bombing down the left and Cooper wasn't picking him out. And yeah, I guess at the time when that's happening you can maybe as a player maybe stop doing that, think what's the point? But the fact that he kept on doing it and he eventually did get picked out and that caught Watford off guard because and that's why you do those that I guess that's a repeatable pattern is what we were talking about earlier as well. Um and yeah, defensively he was great. There was that one moment in uh in the second half where I thought he's gonna get cooked here and he made a great tackle and then he moves it up to halfway line and he wins himself a foul, wins a foul for us as well and yeah I just thought he had a had a really good game and he got a goal and it, it, it everyone looked delighted for him um and and that was a really good goal too it was a really good corner a really good set piece and that was nice to score a set piece that's unusual um yeah no I I thought Byron had a really good game as well what about you Dan anyone do you want to talk about the particular well impressed? just just on the wingers I really like Somerville in the left wing coming in field on his right foot I thought that just suited his game more when he plays on the right and drifts in field just the, the angles don't suit him quite as well. I'm sure he'll get there in the end, but I just think coming in on his right foot suited him well. And again, when Anthony came on, Jaden Anthony, again, looked great in that role. So just whoever occupied that side, Somerville or Anthony, I just thought really nice options for that kind of, if we're going to invert on the left, then those two guys, absolutely, use them there. Yeah, they're the guys for that role. And what Nonto could do, obviously, as well. So yeah, those two were really good. Um, and Cooper just came in and like, no nonsense, it and just did his job, didn't he, and did everything correct. Some nice long passes from Cooper, actually. He hit Byron with a couple of, could be beauties along down down the touchline. So yeah, it was just it was solid all around, wasn't it? Really, no one let us down. Everyone was everyone was seven out of ten, and some were like eight and nines, weren't they? So, and I know we've I know we've waxed lyrical about him previously, but when he came on as well, Archie Greer played a different role, and I thought he did that quite well as as well. Um, I actually kind of preferred him in that role, uh, even though we only saw him for a little bit of time. But he looked more comfortable just thinking that he had just thinking about going forward. Um, but yeah, so that that was interesting to see him come on in that role for Perot. Um, yeah, I, I like I liked what he what he was trying to do there, and I think there was that one chance where he was offside and he was going to square it, or someone was offside and he was open and he bombed in as like a late arrival, um, which he would have been open for the square square pass. But yeah, no. I thought for the Jaden Anthony goal, he was so Anthony was on the left hand side of the post, and he, Archie Gray actually made a really nice run to the for the far stick. So had it bounced out, he'd have been in good position. It took it away. And I do think he, or previously he's been that kind of box crashing, attacking eight type player. I think that's possibly not more his natural game. So I do wonder if he could, if he played there more often, he'd, he'd pick up some goals as well, I think, from that position. It's really nice to have that option of having three midfielders to sort of see out a game as well. You can make that, that area of the pitch even more solid. And if you have three better pressers as well than Perot, no, not a slight on him, but like compared to the other three, then it's, it also makes things a little bit better out of position too. So I can see why I thought, I wanted to do that later on and and get the game sort of done. I think it was two 0 when Far uh, made that change with yeah. Archie yeah, Gray. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was it was the right time to do it really. And I haven't always agreed with his timing of his substitution, so that was good to see. Um, and you both not talked about the uh, the player that was probably the best player, other than maybe Byram. I would say it was Ruter or Byram, but we'll go on to talk about Ruter now. Before, if anyone's listening and thinking, why have they not why have they not said him? Well, we're doing it now, so don't worry. It's the Ruter <laughs> section, um, Paul. Yeah. 
Yes, this is a, an entire section dedicated to him. So yeah, uh, Paul asked on Patreon, uh, Farco made an interesting post-match comment saying he told Ruter not to embarrass the opposition. Do you think he's wrong to hold him back or just trying to keep him in check or spot on with his judgment? So I'll go to you first, Dan. I, I kind of didn't understand it at the time. I thought, what's he in about? Um, but I presume it's just about keeping his feet on the ground because obviously the kid's high as a kite, isn't he? The way he's playing at the moment, he seemed... You know, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I kind of wondered, was it a little bit about that chance he wasted early on, you know, when he tried to bring the ball down and tried to ram the keeper? Was he a bit cocky? You know, could he just like put his laces through it with his right foot type thing? I wonder if it's maybe that perhaps triggered the comment, but I, I suspect it's just a tactic from Fark just to keep him keep him working hard, keep him fit on the ground type thing. Because I didn't think anything that was in the game to trick, to warrant it really, like any particular moment. Am I wrong? Have I missed something? Um, no, I don't think there was. It was interesting that he said he got frustrated at half-time with him there. Go on, Hosty. My thoughts are that it does... If you're doing that every game, are you putting a target on your back for other teams? Um, you know, you start... We, we've, all, we've all played the game to a low level, but when you've, <laughs> when you've got that one player against you who's running rings around Just you... Just on him! Yeah, literally. Um, and and I'd, I'd be that guy. I, I'm the guy who will... I'll just kick someone. And I won't care. That used to be what I used to be like at five aside in a little friendly match with my cousin. Um, but yeah, so I wonder if that's kind of what he's thinking. You know, you don't you don't want to embarrass the opposition because the opposition don't like it, and you're likely to get a retaliation. Um, and I didn't I didn't think he'd done much. Uh, I didn't think there was too much. I didn't realize that the uh, 360 spin was in the first half until the rewatch. I generally thought every, I, th- I thought all of his stuff came in the second half that he'd done. Um, the only one which I thought was kind of taking the piss a little was the path, the backheeled pass from the ball that went over his head um, on, on, on the halfway. As much as I loved it, I think that that'd be the one out of everything that he did that annoyed me most because everything else was just sort of like deception to get past a player it wasn't just doing it for the sake of doing it um but that point that you made dan maybe maybe yeah you know if he'd just actually gone for the shot first time instead of trying to take it around the keeper you know take it around the keeper is that him trying to embarrass the keeper is that kind of what he's what he's on about as well so yeah it's just more of a like respect the level of the keepers you can't just like you've got to take your chances sharp and quick at this level you know it's a good level kind of thing the keepers are not rubbish at this level you know perhaps it was just a bit of that yeah yeah it could be it could be that it could be that, but it, I think in general play, he just looks really confident, doesn't he? Like he's he's got that real swagger now, and I don't know if he's necessarily going to take Farker's advice too much in that sense because I think he's going to want to play with that that confidence, that freedom, and just express himself when he can. The little flicks and the tricks are, are really nice, but I, I just love when he now like drops in, kind of lets Pirot go if he wants to, um, and he can carry the ball from deep, um, and he, j- he uses his body so well, swivels and drops to the shoulder really, really nicely. Um, and both the first and the third goals came from that. So if you remember back to the first goal, he got the sort of pre-assist um, and, and wriggled his way out, got Dan James free, and then obviously the Jaden Anthony goal was was excellent. And yeah, I thought he was, he was rightly man of the match. Him or Byron, I would say, they were both really, really good in this game. Um, it's just good to have like so many good performers that I was struggling to find players I was kind of frustrated with in, in one way or another and there wasn't really any I thought Shackleton was probably the worst player but he wasn't awful was he he was still alright it's just that there was a lot of good performances on the day but yeah Rutesh on and I think that, that that confidence he's playing with now is so key and I don't think Farker should try to put too much of a bottle on it or, or a top a lid on it sorry should I say um, 
because yeah unless like you said dan it's going to create a, a bit of a target sort of thing with him and he, he might start getting the the nonto treatment of just getting hacked down all the time but you know referees will have to just get used to that with him and you know Grealish has been one of those players for years where you know he wriggles out of situations and gets fouls and, and wins them so at maybe the moment Rita's that plays Somerville in it for us yeah so I mean if you target Rute you've got Somerville to deal with who you haven't targeted and I guess that's an advantage of what we've got with the forwards that we have yeah, we do have such an array now. Um, Joe on Twitter asked what is his ceiling, and he actually compared him to Dicky Talera in, in terms of how he's been playing at the moment. And the kind of like, I, I know Dicky Talera is a quite a tall, he's a, a taller sort of forward, but it, in a lot of ways, he's got a similar sort of profile in the way he um, uses the ball and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I wonder what you both thought about that. I didn't really watch much of Dicky Talera, to be honest. So, I don't have a ton, I don't have a ton of reference points, but just m- more generally around um Rutters and his ceiling I just like I feel like he's he's not a complete centre forward there we are complete there we are that's for you Adam um it's not a complete centre forward but but I feel he's, he's really rounding his game out we bingo yeah bingo yeah yeah I feel he's really kind of rounding his game out you know he's like he's, he's like he's, he's he's holding the ball up isn't he? he's winning jewels and headers he's, he's, he's putting his weight around a bit more and engaging with centre backs more than he did at the start of the season um like so, we know you know we know he can carry the ball. He can carry the ball for days, can't he? He's great at that, and his his weight of pass is lovely at times. Um, and his balance and the way he wriggles out a trouble is is fantastic. But yeah, I feel like we we see more of the physical stuff now. So I guess the next stage is just to, just to become an absolute killer in front of goal, and that's where he kind of rounds his game out, isn't it? Really, if he if he if he just sort of starts putting chances away at a higher rate, then that will that's the thing that will tramp you know trampoline him, send him to a higher level, and and have big teams looking at him I would think he's had a few already Dortmund um, were quite heavily linked and that that came out again this week that they, they would be they'd been weighing up a bit so yeah I, I can see what the question uh, is getting up with um, the kind of technical security and, and the fact that he's not just a, a goal scorer he's quite a creative forward I, I kind of get what he means with that that comparison because I've seen a bit of Dikita Talera or are you Hostia have you seen any of Dikita Talera or I've are you just seen, really happy with how he's I've playing I've probably seen less than Dan um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm I'm happy with the way he's playing. Um, yeah, he probably needs to when he's got the opportunities in front of goal, just be a bit more confident in his conviction with his choices um, and his decision making, and kind of just take, think it, think, take everything a little bit a second earlier. But his all round game so far is is really good. Really, really think he's is uh, shining. Um, yeah, like his weight of pass, not just for the Anthony goal, but there was. There's some passes that he plays, and you just like you, you could in, in my head. I'm watching it, and like you could be the second striker if you wanted to be, which is where I, which is where I see him, which is where I saw him initially. Um, but yeah, he's starting, like you said, he's starting to use his body a lot better. Uh, we're seeing him hold up the play, and yeah, I, I'm just really enjoying. It. I'm, I'm really enjoying watching him develop, um, develop fast as well, isn't he? He's coming on really think, quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that maybe we'll see a goal-scoring streak before the end of uh, this section of play before the international break. That's what we're trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, he's a big, strong boy, isn't he? He's a big lad. You know, he's not. He's a pretty big lad. And I saw him bump a couple of centre-backs, like shoulder to shoulder, and they bounced off him. You know, he's got he's got something about him. I think, yeah, like I say, I do think like he's fast, he's big, he's strong. He's got a like, wonderful touch. He can play off both feet. He can carry it. He can turn. His passing's wonderful. It's just finish, finish, and yeah. <laughs> We're away then. I think the I, on my side because I've seen a bit more of Dicky Talera, so I wanted to talk about it a tiny bit. I think 
it maybe makes some sense when I saw the question that's why I wanted to add it because (laughs) (laughs) because um obviously Otto was a big fan and maybe that's why he liked Rutera as well because there's kind of like there's some similarities in skill set maybe that's all it is obviously I don't think this should be a huge surprise at how Rutera's playing I know that we weren't keen on him that much last season and in that bonfire of a season at at the end of it but um he has played a decent amount of games in the Bundesliga, it's important to note. And so him now kind of quickly developing, I guess, is more just like a, a case of him showing what we know he's already capable of, but on a more consistent basis because he's probably just more confident and he's, he's thriving in a team that's scoring a lot of goals. And even if he's not always scoring, he's you know he's playing well, he's contributing well to overall play. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how he's playing and I hope he continues to develop. He's always happy for everyone else to score, right? Like, it's just fantastic to see that makes it really likeable yeah. when you see that and then you see him playing with confidence as well and in the way he's just strutting about the pitch and yeah I really really like him he's grown on me a hell of a lot especially because I was someone who was very much down on this signing not just for the amount of money but just in terms of the profile fit at the time when we needed a, a proper centre forward to to lead the line and maybe he is developing into that but at the same time he, I don't think we'll ever see him stop dropping in into these sort of spaces turning out of pressure especially because he's so good off both feet and playing nice passes because it's something he's really good at so why would you want to stop him from doing that um, but yeah there was like we said so many good performances on the day so I think it was inevitable we we're going to get questions about the general quality of this this side at the moment and i want to talk about this a little bit more for a bit of fun than anything but yeah we had quite a few questions about the squad quality rico asked where would we be if Arca had taken over during the world cup break last season um with that squad but then chalky also asked if any of the players from last season kind of the juxtaposition of this uh who they've moved on since would actually get back into the current lineup um and just on that theme for a bit of fun i wondered if the squad is better worse or about the same as last season's in your opinion i'll start with you hosty um i think the squad's better built for what we're trying to play um i i don't know if it's better than last season than some of the players that were in it if that makes sense so i think like last year we we had players that we all liked and um or thought were good players but then we didn't see how they fit in the system and we saw that um whereas now we've got players that maybe have a little bit of a lower kind of base level um but they all suit the system i think that's kind of where i'm at with it and that makes us a better team in that sense i think we'd beat that team because they're too individualistic i said it this time that's a good point you did well done (laughs) um that's a good point i i think the general ceiling maybe not quite as high given some of the two or three best players I can think of from last season but still pretty good especially Sinistera as one um, I think he would get into this yeah, team I think, still I think that's the only player so that, that I'd say gets in this team at the moment like 100% but the, the thing we do have now is more depth and I, I look at like just for example midfield options and I think Gray and Groove on the bench and then you've got Kamara and Ampadu starting off really really nice set of midfielders there definitely better than last season's as a set so things like that, definitely a little bit better for me. Um, yeah, Dan, what would you say to I, that? I think bearing in mind how well Dan James has done at this level this season, I mean, he's, he's been pretty good, hasn't he, doing what he does. I think it's perhaps that that illustrates that, that we've dropped a level and perhaps some of those players that struggled a little bit last year, like Dan James struggled a bit last year in the Premier League, might have benefited from the drop down. You know, I'm thinking Aronson. Um, I mean, I wasn't a fan of Aronson in the slightest, but, you know, perhaps a drop down of a level might have done him the world of good. For his development, um, I think Rocker would like the Kamara role. I think like his incisive passing and those kind of transitional moments for generating would be great in this team. 
I think he could, you know, in those kind of moments, probably a better passer than anybody we've got of those midfield four we've got now. I think those other players we've got have got better all-round games and they've got better better other elements. But just in terms of like aggressive, incisive, free-line passing, Rocker's really good, wasn't he? So I think in those moments, he would be excellent in this team. You know, and that kind of drop into the left back and playing the ball through type thing. Um, so, yeah, there's a few players. And obviously, Sinistero's quality. I was gutted when he went. Um, I'm sure I'm sure players like Adams and Cock would have been completely fine at this level because, you know, they're, they're decent players. They would be very good players in the championship. So I think we should probably not be too disparaging about those guys. But I'm not missing them because we've got a really nicely, like, well-rounded set of squad for what we need right now. And, you know. And, um, yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. And Rodrigo would just have a field day. He, he would. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, oh yeah, he would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so a part of me just said, if you put Rodrigo in that Perot role that he's in now, yeah, like, oh, yeah, he would be cooking. Yeah, he would. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, and I, I think that's important to point out. I think some people might be getting a bit. This is why I wanted to talk about it. A bit carried away because they aren't necessarily looking at the drop-in level. Um, but I would say is I think Farker's a better coach than any of the coaches we had last season. So if we'd had him at some point last year, I don't know if the squad necessarily would have suited him, but at the same time, maybe we would have been better off. But who knows? Um, we're here now, we're happier. Um, not necessarily because the squad's actually loads better, but just because we're a better unit. And I do think this team would probably beat last season's um, if we were to play you know, a few games like simulated of it because... Well, we're just a better unit now, so um, and I, and I'm I'm happy with the way things are, are heading, and I think a lot of the Leeds fans are. But I do think the people are getting carried away, and I think like, a lot of players last season had they stepped down a level, even Christensen, like they would have looked better because of the way in the championship, and that's just the natural thing. We've seen that already with a few players this season. I absolutely love Pascal Strout, but it's definitely helped us stepping down a level for him. Um, it's definitely helped us in terms of how we're using him as well as a centre-back in a team that built up the ball. And the thing that I do hope that if we get promoted is that this translates to the Premier League and we maybe need some recruitment. Yes, of course we will, but like I hope that the, the continuity is the same uh, in regards to how we want to try and use the ball and, and that'll suit quite a few of the players that we've still got. I just wanted to shoehorn one quick question in about Dan James. Uh, where did you, I kind of alluded to this at the start. Where, where did you stand on him before when it was nil-nil, before we scored the first goal? Would you have subbed him off, yes or no? Hosty. Um I think I was wanting Anthony to come on because I know that Anthony's also a good presser, so I was like, he's gonna give us more on the ball. So yes, I think I was I was in the yes camp. And you done? Yeah, I think so. Um yeah, I think he started the game quite well, didn't he? He put that great cross in for Ruter and then had a few less than good moments in the second half of the first half. And I think by the half time I was frustrated. Um but obviously I'm glad they didn't because <laughs> he contributed really well in the end, didn't he? I mean, the- my, my actual favourite moment of Dan James in the first half was when Rutter pinged it off his head. <laughs> yeah. When he put that cross in and like he just bounced off him. I don't really I remember, remember that. that. <laughs> I feel I've forgotten. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with you both. I just want to ask because um, I got a little bit of stick for saying that that he should have come off and I think there was a bit of revisionism just because he got a couple of assists. He is now the top assister in the in the division and I do think he still has those moments in him but yeah, I think he was breaking a lot of our attacks still even though the, the role suited him a bit more playing high and wide on the right and I do think that was better for him. Yeah, I still felt like the ball was breaking down in his area of the pitch too often and I really wanted to see something different just, just for that reason but I'm delighted he proved me wrong. Of course I am. He got two assists. Good lad. I know that like obviously he's been doing it this season but when did he ever start taking corners? Like, when did that become part of his game? 
Strange, isn't it? I know we've got Somerville who's not bad at them either. So I yeah, like so. I like some of Somerville. I did not wrong wrong podcast, but I like some of his deliveries at the whole game. I thought he put in some really nice like flat corners and stuff. Um, and then Dan James was a pretty good in this game. I mean, Dan James put in three crosses that were good enough for goals in this game. If Jed Wallace does yeah. that, they're not the top twenty podcasts are going crazy for it, aren't they? <laughs> well, they are. You know, so, and fair enough. They, they should be. There were three real good crosses. We've got two goals out of it. We should have had three. Second tier podcast are calling him next Pablo just for yeah. Clicks. Well, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've muted those fools. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> um, so you know, I say keep him high, keep him wide. Just say Dan cross it. You, he, he can cross it. We can see that. It's, it's faster yeah. than cross. Then that's all he needs to do. And press. It is interesting on the corners because of um, last season we had. Aronson, Harrison and Rocker I think were the three most regular takers and now we've got a couple that um, I'm enjoying quite a lot really um, we've gone be nice from if we all left footers one. to all right footers pretty much yeah. oh, no, Aronson's right footed isn't he? but anyway yeah but pretty wait, much wait till Furpo's fit he, Furpo could be our corner <laughs> corner dom when he comes back well, as long as he's not hitting the first man as much as Rocker and Harrison were, maybe that would be a good thing. Um, anyway, that brings us towards the end of the podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I do need to plug the patron as I've been told many times now, we're trying to make this a bit more of a regular thing. Um, I said this last time I was on as well, but he hasn't been on this pod. Uh, Jacob would be annoyed if I didn't say we hadn't heard from Tom Alderson in a while. And Tom Alderson would also be annoyed if I didn't say that over the last few weeks, we put out some bonus podcasts on our Patreon. Um, for those that don't know, Patreon is a platform where people can pay money to support creators that they enjoy and receive bonus content in return. Uh, we put out Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles, and our patrons also get all our podcasts ad-free plus early access to our preview pods. Um, right now, you can listen to our fairly recent State of the Squad pod where some of the guys went over Leeds' squad position by position and assessed the strengths and weaknesses of that um, as well as our brand new under 21s pod which we haven't actually heard you talk about yet Dan because Martin's had to do this bit for the last couple of weeks um, so did you want to quickly just discuss that and, and how it yeah, went? Yeah it was really good so the, the first podcast we did after four or five games of 21s football and we just kind of talked about the format of the league and the format of the International Premier League Cup tournament that they've got going and we had a bit of a look at the squad and went through some of the players that I'm looking forward to seeing and talk about what sort of players they are and picked out a few kids from the 18s that, that have been promoted to 21s from, from the 18s and how they might go. Um, so yeah, it was just a bit of a kickoff podcast we did last week and we're going to try and put one in every every other month, I think, just sort of chart, charting the pr- progress as the season goes on. The 21s are quite a fun team. Um, they're a bit flaky. They let a lot of goals in, but they score lots of goals as well. So they're quite a fun team to follow and they've got some really nice players Um to watch so yeah yeah it's, it's worth a look if you're interested in uh, youth football and if you are a fan of the under 21 team and you watch them a lot I would definitely recommend it but if you just want to keep up to date with the goings on with that team and you don't really have the time to watch them then I would recommend it because that's what I'm going to do I don't really have the time to watch them um, so I'll probably just listen to you guys and, and hope that that's enough um, and if they want to access that content where can they find it Hosty? they can find it on patreon.com forward slash ASAW patreon Wonderful, thank you so much. So all that's left for me to say is thank you to Dar. So, sorry, I'm Dan. Just, I'm just glad you asked Hosty for that address because I wanted to panic. I'm like, I don't know where, where. I'm, I knew yeah. he was on it. Yeah, cool. I'm all right, mate. Thank you for having me. It's been good fun. Fantastic. And danke schön, Hosty. Ah, bitte schön. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you for the next one with our Southampton preview later on this week and a review of that game next week as well. I won't be there because I'm on a stag do. But goodbye and have a great week. Bye. Cheers.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 